can subscribe to Truth Jihad Radio by going to truthjihad.com and clicking on the subscribe at Substack button. Welcome to Truth Jihad Audio Visual. I'm Kevin Barrett, waging the all-out struggle for truth on the internet radio airwaves since 2006. Also producing occasional videos. In fact, I'm producing more videos now that I got fiber optic and a Rumble account. So now I'm no longer shadow banned and censored by YouTube. I can go on Rumble and people can actually see these videos and see people like today's guest, Peter Koenig. Peter Koenig is an economist and geopolitical analyst who's used to work for the World Bank. And now he's one of our leading uh, truth tellers and troublemakers. So, hey, it's great to see you, Peter. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay. Well, we could, we're could. we going to talk about the, the Great Reset and the war in Ukraine. But maybe first we could uh, just quickly you know, mention that you, you talked about uh, you've been traveling a lot. I, I kind of half envy you and half pity you for traveling so much during the shamdemic, having to put up with all of the nonsense. And we've talked about some of the nonsense you've had to put up with. But uh, maybe you could fill us in with your, your latest travel stories, um, escaping from the mask hell of Peru and uh, somehow surviving the, the airplane airport uh, marathons. Uh, so you just went from Peru to Florida or something? Is that right? Yes, yes absolutely. And you're right. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's almost hell, I would say, traveling. Uh, first of all, you know, living here in Peru, which I do about half of the time because my wife is Peruvian. My wife is also American. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to get uh, into into the U.S. Uh, without being uh, vaccinated. But uh, because I'm a spouse of an American citizen, it, it was possible. Nevertheless, we had to go through uh, numerous uh, PCR tests. Uh, I say numerous because, uh, you know, there are different types of PCR tests. When we arrived at the airport to leave for Florida, uh, American Airlines didn't want us uh, to board because I think uh, the, the test had been taken about an hour, uh, 25, 25 hours ago instead within 24 hours. And oh, so it, it, it was just, I mean, it's just impossible. And it was on a Sunday, you couldn't do anything. And fortunately, I found a supervisor who said, let them go. But, but you know, and... So, and so Peter, are these tests uh, all those horrific, painful things where they ram something up your nose into your frontal lobes, or do they have a, a less painful kind of test now? Well, I have had a, a number of sinus operations, so I have actually a good reason for insisting that they don't go up my nose. They go uh -huh. down the throat, you know, which, which is a little bit less painful, but uh, it's, it's still very, very unpleasant and not mm -hmm. necessary. Because my my doctor in Switzerland, uh, where I also do these uh, have to do these tests when I leave for for another country, he told me, you know, if you take a little bit of saliva, that's exactly the same thing as going up the nose. You know, the test is what they are testing for is uh, is the same thing. So they're almost like just humiliating and torturing people by choosing to do the nose tests. Absolutely, absolutely, mm -hmm. and we don't know whether there is more about it if they go up the nose because they're very, very thin membrane be between uh, the cavities, the nose cavities and the brain. So whatever they put on these uh, taps that they put up the nose, we don't know whether they penetrate into, into, into the brain eventually, uh, into your pineal gland especially. 
to make it insensitive. So there are lots of uh, talks and rumors about it. How much of it is true, I don't know. Mm. There are different points of view, but I would imagine that there is a reason behind the torturing, other than the torturing, that they go up and insist, really insist. I had to go to five different labs in Peru to find one that eventually would agree to to honor my request of not going up the nose. Wow. So it's, it's it's terrific. And uh, the, yeah, mask, the, the mask wearing here is, you know, it's uh, obligatory in the streets. It's double masks in most, uh, most uh, public buildings. You go into a supermarket, you need a double mask. And I mean, it's, uh, so, so by double mask, just any old a cloth mask and then another cloth mask on top of it is good enough? Yes. That's so, so insane because ne- neither one's doing any good. No, neither one. The, the contrary. I mean, they do more harm because you get more, less oxygen and you uh, breathe in more of your own CO2. So it, it is absolutely nuts and crazy. And, and anyway. So it was a very pleasant experience to go to Florida, uh, where everything is open. Uh, uh, Governor DeSantis, he he is great. I mean, uh, he actually uh, uh, doesn't allow, for example, vaccinating of of children. He says this is absolutely nonsense, and he he makes a very, very strong rule. And everything is open. Uh, Everything is open. I mean, people, if... You find ever so often somebody who wears a mask uh, in a in a magazine, but that's because they want to. They are not obliged to. So this is, from that point of view, a very very pleasant experience. Also, we have uh, very good friends in uh, in in the Orlando region, and uh, and with them we can talk about anything. Uh, they are on the same wavelength. And they have friends uh, with whom to talk. Actually, I had also a, a couple of interviews there, uh, local interviews. So I, I think, by and large, uh, that uh, the United States, particularly the southern uh, southern states like Florida and Texas, I also know Texas from last year uh, because my wife's uh, sister is living there and we visit, visited them with, with, with them. And also, it's a very, very open open state. So you can see, I mean, the, the incidence, the so-called incidence of uh, of COVID, is by no means stronger in Florida and, and Texas than it is elsewhere. Uh, you know, so there's absolutely no need for this uh, humiliating uh, crackdown on people's freedoms and mask wearing, which is in itself humiliating. You know, you see all these faceless faces actually walking around and. Uh, uh, and 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 then this this N95 masks looks like a mm-hmm. uh, like a bird like a peak. It's uh, it's ridiculous, and uh, you know they want to make you look ridiculous because it's part of the humiliation process. Well, here in Wisconsin, they've eased off a little bit. I was able to go into the local public library yesterday with no mask for the first time in more than two years. And uh, they still have mask advised or something like that. They have an advisory. They want you to wear a mask, but they aren't requiring it anymore. So there's some small progress there. And and here in Wisconsin, the weather may not be as good as Florida and Texas, but we do have Senator Ron Johnson, who I think is actually better than DeSantis. And so, yeah, the U.S., I think, is ahead of Europe, as we were saying earlier off the air. Uh, Europe is seems like there's 
Well, you know, I guess Le Pen maybe knocking off Macron would be a good sign. But other than that, uh, Europe has really fallen for, for the COVID conformism, hasn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, it's not for nothing that uh, the World uh, Health Organization is seated in Geneva. Gavi is seated in Geneva. Uh, the World Economic Forum uh, is seated in Geneva. Then the, the Bank for International Settlement, uh, which we call the bank, uh, the central bank of all the central banks that controls uh, literally uh, uh, 95% or more of all the world's central banks. All of that that there in Basel. So Switzerland is 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 really a hub. So you, you've lived in the capitals of the New World Order. You lived in Washington D.C. and you lived in in Switzerland. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Congratulations. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. The, you could also call it the belly of the beast. Yeah, that's for sure. As many bellies. So Switzerland is one of them. Washington was one of them, and. Uh, I mean, in Washington, I lived for so long, and, and, and I really, I like living in the U.S., I must say that. Uh, I have lived more than half of my life. Well, in come the on US. back. Uh, escape the masking in Peru and come to the U.S. Wait, actually, I tell, you, I tell you, this is what we are considering. Hmm. Okay, that, yeah, it's funny, because uh, we'll, we'll talk again off the air, because my, uh, uh, my wife is also considering moving to Florida, or would like to. Uh, and that sounds like a place that might be on your list too. So who knows? Maybe we could start a, a colony for us, escapees from you know from crazy uh, lockdown places. Although Wisconsin, like I said, it's getting better. So let, let's get to the the New World Order uh, Great Reset Plan and its relationship to this crazy war in Ukraine, which has essentially ended the scandemic. I mean, if if the Putin hadn't invaded Ukraine, I'm pretty sure that I would still have to wear a mask when I went into the Spring Green Wisconsin Library. <laughs> because the day the invasion started, the scamdemic basically was shut down. It's almost as if they pushed a button. Uh, how do you explain that? Uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh, this is not a coincidence, of course. This was all planned. Uh, because, uh, you know, the COVID has by no means stopped. Uh, the war, the war was uh, very convenient. At least the moment of getting into this war was very conveniently chosen, uh, because uh, at that at that very moment, I think on March the first, WHO started uh, discussions on a on on becoming a worldwide uh, controller of all health. Uh, they are discussing this uh, in various sessions, special. Uh, uh, World Health uh, Assembly sessions behind the scene. Uh, people don't know about it. You can never so often read uh, something. Um, as you know, I've, I've worked for 10 years or so for WHO, uh, not in the medical field, in the water and the environmental field, but I still have seen a little bit of what's going on in WHO. And uh, maybe just as a parenthesis, WHO was never really created like the other UN agencies. WHO was a Rockefeller idea, uh, and uh, we know that uh, Rockefellers and the Gates, uh, who are kind of related uh, far back, uh, they both are eugenists, and uh, by controlling world health, uh, they uh, can control world life, uh, so to speak. So this was an idea that uh, came through Rockefeller's mind, I guess, when he saw the Pan American Health Organization that was a creation by the Americas uh, in uh, 19, I believe, 1904. 
and uh, and worked quite well. It then later on was integrated into WHO. So WHO was a Rockefeller uh, a creation, and uh, because uh, with a lot of money you can do everything, and uh, so he was eventually able to put it into into the UN system as a World Health Organization that is part of one of the specialized agencies of the UN. In addition to that, until about uh, the mid-50s or so, uh, most of uh, the medications that we had, there were not as many as we have now, uh, were based on, uh, on plant uh, chemicals and bi plant biology. Uh, now with Rockefeller, he said at that time he was still the big owner of the monopoly type uh, uh, standard oil, and uh, so he was also the chief of, uh, of of chemical production, petrol based chemical production, petrochemical agents, and he said, well, all of these uh, um, medications and many, many, many more. Uh, can be made uh, out of um, of petrol, and in fact, that's what he did. After after that, the uh, after the World Health Organization was uh, was created, uh, the uh, pharmaceutical industry exploded. You know, they they became uh, out of uh, maybe uh, maybe hundred or so key uh, pharmaceuticals. They became astronomically. They you know there was a there was an ascent in, in, in pharmaceuticals, um, unbelievable. And, and, and now we are in a, in a sea of pharmaceuticals where we don't know really what is good and what is bad and uh, what the side effects are. And, and, and so they can do with us whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So money buys everything. That's WHO, that's the parenthesis in WHO on what they are doing right now is discussing uh, the possibility that they will become the world's health and um, uh, agent overarching the sovereignties of each country. That means that if this goes through, I mean, there's, there, there are discussions, they wanted it to be to be implemented already by mid of this year, then, there, then it has been postponed. There was the first uh, assembly meeting, I think it was in, uh, in early March this year, and, uh, and and so with these assembly meetings, they also reflected in the European uh, European Commission or European Parliament. There were some objections in the European Parliament, which had to be, uh, which will have to be ironed out. So the process was uh, delayed and postponed. I mean, there are more meetings and so on. But you know how this works. If we, the people, do not interfere, eventually the politicians uh, will give in or be paid off to give in. Uh, which, which means now the target is that uh, this whole thing will become effective uh, sometime, maybe at the beginning of 2024. Which means that the WHO's mandate over health will be over the mandate of sovereign countries. So they could dictate for anything, you know, they could dictate uh, that the flu is a pandemic and that everybody needs to be vaccinated against the flu. That and, and, and that uh, overriding the authority of uh, national uh, governments. This is horrifying. This is really horrifying. And this is played out behind the scene. I also told you uh, just before uh, off, uh, off the record, uh, that uh, I have actually a very good, she is by now probably quite famous, 
Dr. Stuckelberg, uh, a lady, Astrid Stuckelberg, she she worked with the WHO, she's a scientist, and uh, has uh, made enormous research into, into this field. And she's now speaking out. Uh, she has often interviewed, been on interviews. And I saw um, the day before yesterday, I think, I saw uh, an excellent interview of hers uh, on, um, <clears throat> what, what was it? I think it was maybe YouTube. And uh, yesterday, when I wanted to refer to that in an article, uh, the, the YouTube was gone, you know, so it, the, the censoring is very strong. The censoring in itself already tells a story, it tells the story that there is something to hide. And uh, the people should just catch on that to that and wake up just by the fact that, the, you know, uh, uh, everything that is not convenient, that is not mainstream uh, uh, convenient, will be censored out and eliminated. It's interesting that the, the way they do it is that they're, it's not so much that they have managed to eliminate the off-script messages, but rather they put the off-script messages into you know what we call a barbed-wired-off free speech zone where only people who already know the material are exposed to it. So they're preventing contamination, as it were, of the people who have not been exposed to it. They're using a pandemic model for information in which they can cordon off, have a cordon sanitaire uh, to cordon off the people who haven't yet heard these things. And that's why, for instance, this video, uh, which pr I probably won't even bother to put it on YouTube because, number one, it would probably be taken down. And even if it weren't, it would be shadow banned and it wouldn't reach very many people. And that's because YouTube ha is designed to try to reach a very, very broad audience. Uh, but if I put it on Rumble, uh, a free speech channel, it won't be shadow banned. It can reach a lot of people, but those will essentially all be people who are already more or less on our wavelength. So yes. that, that's the way the censorship has been working. And then also I think that they're injecting um, beneficial cognitive dissonance, as Cass Sunstein put it, into the alternative media world by constantly coming up with stuff like this. Oh, there's no such thing as COVID. It's, it's in the water. It's snake venom in the water. And so when the average person hears that the conspiracy theorists believe that there's no such thing as COVID and it's really snake venom in the water, then they say, oh, those COVID conspiracy theorists like Peter Koenig and Kevin Barrett and so on are completely crazy. Why should I even bother to hear, listen to what they have to say? So it's all designed to make sure that we stay in our little playpen talking to other people who already know what we know and not reach out to any of the people who don't already know it. Uh, it's actually diabolically clever if you think about it. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been thinking about that too, especially when I listen to this uh, uh, snake venom in the water <laughs> story. <laughs> I, don't I drink the water. Don't drink any water. <laughs> It is so. It is so terribly convincing, you know, that they the, the think, well, you know, now I have, I have to buy bottled water because. <laughs> right, and even that bottled water, you have to check it to see if there, you know, isn't this little, uh, you know, fang trademark there. <laughs> yes, no, it's uh, it's it's fantastic. Very very cleverly done. I mean, yeah. this this has not happened in the last uh, two years only. I mean, we we have seen it in the last two years and so, but this has been on the preparation. Yeah, yeah, the Flat Earth Movement, for example, that's more beneficial cognitive diversity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, so let, let's, let's talk about the Ukraine connection to all of this. Okay, so we're, we're seeing this move towards 
centralizing international control through the WHO, getting rid of national sovereignty, it's all based in the West primarily. Uh, and it looks like the West now is really in a tizzy over uh, Russia moving into Ukraine with its special military operation, or SMO. You're not supposed to say invasion if you're in Russia, and you're not supposed to say anything but invasion if you're in the West. So there's been a, a real stark divide here, and, and the West is going nuts about Ukraine. The rest of the world is shrugging or even siding with Russia. Uh, how does this play into the attempt to centralize world control at the top of this, what, we new world order hierarchy that's based in the West? Uh, will the Ukraine war accelerate the move to global government based in the West, or will it slow it down or even end it? Well, uh, maybe it's too early to come to a conclusion, a uh, definite conclusion, but I will, uh, I will tend to believe the, the, the second version, that actually the West has, uh, has lost a lot of credibility with a lot of people. Uh, number one, because it's undeniable that the West has been provoking uh, uh, Russia, particularly uh, President Putin, with, uh, with encroaching uh, ever more uh, on uh, on on Russia with uh, with uh, with uh, NATO bases, you know, there in uh, 1991 uh, there were 16 around the world, 14 of them in Europe and two in in in, in the Americas, and and now we have 30, and uh, of course uh, pushing on, and all of them are encroaching more and more uh, to uh, on 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 to Russia. Because we have to see one, I mean, that these things, they go hand in hand. Russia has always been a target for the, for the West, particularly for the U.S. Its size is one of them, but more than the size, it's unbelievable natural resources, uh, which uh, Russia houses. Uh, you know, it's, it's probably the natural resources, the richest country by far uh, in, in the world. And all of that... Uh, belongs to Russia, to a country that has been the Soviet Union, a communist country for a long time, and now with the president that really wants, I believe, to do something for for his people, uh, can't be. So uh, this in, this encroachment fits uh, very well into into the plan of the Great Reset, because the Great Reset eventually. Uh, will be a handful or maybe a few handful of uh, very, very rich people who control the rest of the world through the fourth uh, industrial revolution, as uh, Klaus Schwab uh, doesn't miss uh, an occasion to repeat. Uh, it, it is unbelievable. Uh, this industrial uh, fourth industrial revolution is just digitizing everything, including the human brain. So that at the end of this, uh, this there's so many elements into this, and I call it now at the end of a UN Agenda 2030, um, you will own nothing, but you will be happy. That's because you have been uh, brain controlled to the point that they can take everything away from you. And, uh, and you will still be happy because they give you uh, to eat and to drink, uh, and maybe, maybe uh, lodging and clothing as long as you behave, but nothing more. And, and and this this is this is the plan. I mean, I'm sure they will not exceed to this plan. I'm absolutely sure, and I think we all should be sure that something evil like that will never happen. Uh, I mean, for that we have uh, we have human brains. We have uh, uh, our own personal sovereignty. Then then we have access and we can create sovereign groups of people. And I'm not even talking about the countries 
which have been invaded, our sovereign governments that have been invaded by these, uh, by these, I call it sometimes the cabal, the dark cabal, uh, which has a lot to do with uh, these uh, extra uh, uh, wealthy uh, organizations like uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and uh, State Street and Fidelity. Uh, together, I think they control I don't think I know. They control about $25 trillion uh, worth of assets and maybe more. And I'm very conservative, but that's what can be accounted for. And with that amount of, 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 of money, of, of, of Western type money, they, can, they have a leverage power of well above $100 trillion. And the world GDP is currently estimated at about $90 trillion. So that's how they can push and, uh, and blackmail every country government into doing their bidding. Wait, if they, if they have leverage that's bigger than the global GDP, what else are they leveraging? Like the other planets? <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe not. But I, I would like to stay on Earth. But there are lots of people who say that there are extraterrestrial people involved in all of this. I've, I've heard that. Uh, and, uh, but, but I would, I would really rather stay with us because yeah, I think yeah. If, you, if we did want to toss out the, you know, the, the really uh, far out but not entirely implausible theories, uh, you mentioned earlier the uh, pineal gland being targeted by yes. these nasal probes uh, when they test you for COVID. And there are, there are rumors that the pineal gland is also targeted by fluoridation of water supplies and other things. And that the purpose of that is that the pineal gland is somehow related to people's uh, extrasensory perception and that, or the soul or what have you, the part of the consciousness that interacts with the quantum dimension of reality. So it's no longer uh, locked into the material world. And the, the uh, conspiracy theory would be that some group, whether earthbound or extraterrestrial or even extra-dimensional, doesn't want humans to have a soul or to be uh, locked into, you know, to, to be free uh, and uh, not not entirely bound by the space-time material continuum. And they, they don't like people having psi powers, uh, have, having that uh, intuition and so on. They want people to be reduced to the status of computers that can only, uh, quote-unquote, think or process in a very linear way uh, in material reality. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one of those uh, fire-out theories I've heard that actually is a lot more plausible than snake venom in the water. <laughs> absolutely. No, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you on that, uh, on that theory. Absolutely. And that there are different groups who are fighting uh, over these uh, enormous resources, uh, ex <coughs> extraterrestrial groups, uh, this is uh, this is possible. This is this is uh, plausible, but uh, as long as we keep our pineal uh, gland alive and uh, and working and our spirit alive and working, and uh, and fight against this being digitized and computerized, I think we our, our power on Earth is uh, is much stronger than than, than theirs. And, and, and you know what the secret to keeping your pineal gland going is, Peter. When you pray five times a day in the Islamic fashion, you put your forehead on the ground, that gives a little jar to the pineal gland and keeps yeah. it uh, secreting. Actually, I just made that up. Uh, but I have noticed that praying five times a day is good for your uh, spiritual perception. <laughs> yes, you know, I've, I've worked for about seven years in the Middle East, so I know a little bit about the, 
about these habits and, and where they're coming from. So yes, you're absolutely right. This, this has all to do with, uh, with awakening our, our, our spirit to make sure that it doesn't go asleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think uh, this is what, we, what the West is missing. And then we are also, of course, we are indoctrinated constantly with false money. I mean, the type of money that we have and play with, especially dollar-based money, which the euro is also dollar-based money, the yuan is, the, you know, the, the Australian dollars and so on. Uh, with, with fake money, we are being seduced to believe that we are rich and that we have, uh, that we have all these material powers that actually mean nothing. Because of this uh, fake money that can be produced at will, there's a there's a chart on internet when you where you can see uh, how much the actual debt is. Right now, the U.S. debt, dollar debt, is uh, maybe about 110 percent of the U.S. GDP. But when you go uh, and look at the unmet commitment, as they call it, unmet commitment, uh, that's a, that's a discounted form of uh, of all the accumulated debt that the U.S. has through the wars and, uh, and, and indirect wars, and mo- mostly through wars, uh, it's about seven times higher than, uh, than the GDP. So you can imagine this is a debt that any other country would just, uh, would just, just collapse on. They would not be rescued. Well, and this leads us to getting back to the war on Russia. Uh, yeah. uh, Russia seems to be resisting the fake money uh, and also resisting the anti-spiritual dimension of Western culture. You know, Russia is rediscovering its church and uh, re-embracing traditional values. And Russia is also seemingly using this Ukraine situation to produce their own uh, radical great reset currency thing. But it's not going to be the West's computerizing and digitizing everything under one single planetary authority. Rather, it would be a multipolar world with uh, precious metals and then baskets of currency. And and to do this, they need to dethrone the dollar. And the dollar now may be in a more precarious position after the world's uh, creditors see that the U.S. can steal dollars. If you hold your money in dollars, the U.S. can just steal it anytime they don't like you, which they just did to Russia. So that may be a factor. Uh, and then also the economic crash that this war is causing as the boycotts on Russia lead to shortages of food and fuel, that may also uh, lead to a situation in which the dollar as the U.S. or as the world reserve currency uh, starts to crash. Uh, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. The, it's, are, is, is Russia uh, genuinely uh, posing a threat to this one world uh, plan uh, to 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 rule the world kind of digitally and anti spiritually from wet from the west, uh, and is that uh, how will we know um, whether Russia will be winning? Actually, that's the direction I wanted to go in. You know, with the uh, with 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 the, with the Western currency, which are which are fake uh, fake currency. What with with this uh, with this pressure on on sanctioning countries left and right, and including. Uh, Russia now they have probably about uh, four or five thousand different sanctions. When you take the take out the sanctions on the on on, on individuals, it's just unbelievable. Never a country, not even Iran, has been sanctioned to that point. So all of that has led 
to to a very very clever move of uh, of Russia, and I think this move is not just Russia. You have to look at the the East as a new a new polar system. East meaning particularly the the alliance of Russia and China, but then the alliance within the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which was created by China, I believe in 2001 or 2000, uh, 2002, that uh, comprises a number of countries, including uh, India and Pakistan. Pakistan has just become a victim of that. Uh, but uh, but these uh, this this organization alone. Uh, comprises about almost half of the world population and more than 30 or 35 percent of the world GDP. Now, Russia, what uh, what uh, Putin's uh, uh, new advisor actually is not a new. He has been the advisor before. Sergei Glasiev is a top economist, in my opinion, has just come up with a very simple op uh, opinion. You know, you want our gas. You're sanctioning us. We know that you have to survive somehow, especially Germany and a lot of Europe uh, is, is, is tied to Russian gas. So if we continue selling you gas, but instead of selling it to you in any European currency, we sell it to you in ruble, which will, which is brilliant. It's very simple, but it's brilliant. It's what the US has done in in uh, in uh, 71 when when they uh, went and uh, and bribed uh, the, the saudis to to sell as head of opec uh, hydrocarbons only in, in in us dollars that that made the dollar actually the currency that it is now a, a currency that can be replicated at will except in russia it's different i mean the the, the ruble is already backed by gold now, the new system, as you already mentioned, and that's not just in Russia, that's also in, with China and eventually will penetrate the whole SCO. Uh, the currencies will be backed by their economy, which basically means gold and the natural resources, which is the foundation, which are the foundation of their economies. So there are maybe 20 different natural resources uh, that are internationally uh, used and, uh, and will be dealt with. Plus, plus gold uh, will be the, the backing of uh, of the new ruble, the new the, the yuan, the Chinese yuan, and possibly in in the longer run of all the currencies that belong to the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, and to other Eastern Eastern associations. So there there are several of them, and and I think this this is a move which uh, which of course. The West was surprised. I mean, I can see that from the European Union uh, reaction. Well, you can't do that. We will never pay you in rubles. What a stupid statement. Okay, you don't pay in rubles, you won't get any gas. And you need gas. So, and so far, you, you have been paying in dollars. And, uh, so, and so, so what's happened? Are, have they gone ahead and paid in rubles? I know the deadline is passed. I, I don't know whether, uh, whether these first shipments have already taken place. I think... The, the rule went into effect on uh, on April 1st, I believe. Um, so I don't know whether anything has been paid in the meantime, but I'm pretty sure they will eventually have to do that. Uh, otherwise, they, they will have to find other resources for gas, which is almost impossible, not in a short period of time in any, in any case. So I think uh, this will... Actually, this uh, this very very illegal sanctioning, economic sanctioning, is totally illegal. It's against human rights and it's against uh, 
uh, international law. Uh, uh, but they kept doing it. The Europeans have just copied the US in, in, in this. So they're actually committing suicide. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's what has been happening with the sanctions already before. Because in, I remember at that time I was still very active in the World Bank at that time in the, in the 90s. And even at the beginning of the 2000s, I think more than 90% of the world's reserves were in, in dollar denomination, uh, uh, the denominated assets uh, worldwide. Today it's less than 60% and, uh, and it's sinking. I mean, the dollar so far has just been able to, to reproduce itself so that it doesn't go below 50%. But once you have another strong currency, which is based actually on, on, on something solid, like, uh, like gold and, and natural resources, and the economy itself, uh, then, uh, you know, people start uh, shedding the dollar and the dollar will be worthless, even more than it is now already. What, what do you think of uh, Pepe Escobar's thesis that this U.S. war on Russia is also a U.S. war, war on Europe and that it's a currency war and that the dollar thrives when there's chaos in the world and the dollar thrives when the euro can't compete with it? So by essentially crippling Europe through the sanctions and stopping Europe from getting cheap Russian energy, the U.S. is propping up the dollar for a few more years. That's true. I mean, it's like a dying beast uh, slashing around itself, trying to pull down with it uh, as many other uh, animals, or in this case, nations, as, as they can. But that's absolutely true. I mean, and, and that the Europeans didn't realize that maybe they do, or maybe they have been bought out. It, it's not so complicated to see that these sanctions they don't. They hardly hurt the U.S., but they hard. They they hurt Europe, and 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 and, and they actually destroy Europe. So uh, that they didn't see that, I I don't understand. Or it, um, it's either a plan that they want to be destroyed. They want to belong to, to uh, to to a nation, or to a group of nations that eventually will will just be uh, have nothing to say in in this world or. or or what else? I, I just, it's, it's beyond me. I cannot understand that the politicians cannot see beyond that. Well, some of the European politicians do. Uh, Viktor Orban and uh, Marine Le Pen are both apparently not on board with this program. No. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there are Germans who are not at work. There's Schroeder, for example, but he, has, he is a friend of Putin's and he has been t trying to talk to the German government people uh, many, many times. I know that. But there, in Germany, there's something that most people don't know. Germany is still under an armistice agreement. They don't have a peace agreement, a signed peace agreement after World War II. Still not. And one of the rules, and I've, I've seen that when I was in Berlin uh, in, the, in the War Museum, uh, one of the conditions is uh, under this armistice agreement that, uh, that Germany has to, to do and is not allowed to do anything that goes against the interests of the United States. I think that's what we have been seeing over the past at least 20 years. Uh, very, very strongly. That's uh, Merkel was also a child, uh, a scholar of, uh, of uh, Klaus Schwab's uh, young, uh, uh, young professionals. Uh, and, and, and so she has played the game very much along like most of Europe, Macron too, uh, most of the European leaders, so-called leaders, 
uh, they they are totally bought by by this Western uh, WEF directed system. And if I say WEF directed, there's of course there are other forces behind WEF, and WEF is just a visible instrument to implement them. Uh, and and so coming back to 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 the war, uh, whether. Putin, I'm sure, he, he is from uh, from um, the KG, originally KGB, so he is uh, very, very, uh, not only very super intelligent, but he knows what intelligence means, and he is up to date of what's going on. So um, I would almost uh, bet that he he knew about the. Uh, about this evil plan of uh, of uh, invading Russia and and of course of uh, uh, subduing Russia for for its natural resources that has been going on for more than 100 years in in a, in, a, in in many different ways and it's now coming maybe to a peak so he knew that there would be sanctions and more sanctions and uh, that's probably why he he brought in uh, Glasiev again uh, the, the the genius who said, well, let's just uh, the world needs uh, uh, petrol and uh, the world needs gas and we have gas, so let's sell it in our currencies as the U.S. did at that time uh, in, in in seventy in seventy three. Except that we will make sure that the, our currency, the ruble, and eventually probably there there will be a, a joint international currency maybe for the uh, for the SCO. That is, uh, I've heard a plan, I cannot talk more about it because I don't know the details uh, for international payments. But all of that will be will be backed by by the national economies and by natural resources, by, by some key, maybe 20, I don't know exactly how many, that they have, they have been talking about 20, uh, plus gold. So there's a backing, so the, you know, the ruble, as it is now, it's the ruble. Uh, eventually, it may also be uh, 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 the yuan. Certainly, it's, all, it's already backed by by gold and by natural resources. But eventually, it may be a common currency for for the Eastern Pole. So uh, to to link to link the COVID to to the war, I think what has happened. And, and the cabal always makes mistakes. And if we if we know that, for example, uh, these uh, 25 trillion uh, are basically basically uh, dollar-based assets, uh, you can also say that they are, in monetary terms, worth uh, not not that much. I mean, they are material material terms, economic terms behind them, but I think in monetary terms they're worth much less. And especially, and what, what is more important is when countries start realizing, uh, and they do, uh, they have been doing that for a long time, that the dollar is actually fake, that there is nothing behind the dollar, uh, they will gradually migrate to, to Eastern solid currencies as their reserves, and they will also probably, uh, especially Africa, uh, will start selling their natural resources uh, to, to, the, to the Eastern Pole rather than to the Western Pole because they get the solid, solid currencies for, for them. I mean, Africa has, from what I know, probably about still about 60% of all the, the, the world's uh, natural resources that we use for daily life. Uh, which is which is enormous, uh, and uh, and so that's why everybody wants to dominate and have already.
kept dominating Africa even after the colonizations. So uh, I, I believe with that shift gradually taking place, uh, many countries that have been afraid for the sanctioning if they are associated with Russia or China will do so uh, ever more, which pr will bring down uh, the, the Western system uh, uh, probably in an accelerated pace and not from one day to another. I think that would not be good for anybody, uh, but, uh, but gradually and maybe in an accelerated way. If you, if you think about how the Western strategists are going to respond to that and try and preempt that, they can see it coming too. Uh, you might consider the possibility of accelerated use of biological warfare. This was one of the reasons cited by Russia uh, for going into Ukraine was the presence of U.S. biological warfare labs, which were allegedly experimenting on Slavic DNA, Russian DNA, and working on delivery systems involving migrating birds. Uh, that may sound speculative, but uh, I, I assume you've probably read Ron Unza's piece on where COVID came from, and he makes a pretty strong argument that it was likely a U.S. strike against China and Iran as examples of uh, targeted economic warfare. Robert Cadlick, who Trump appointed as his bio-war czar, was uh, the world's leading advocate of deniable bio-war targeting adversary economies. So one might expect that the empire, which sees exactly what you've just described coming at it, uh, might say, well, we're in a tough situation here, and the only way that we can prevail is to figure out newer and better ways, perhaps ethnic-specific uh, bioweapons, to try to slow these economies. It was ultimately the, the problem that they have is that the Chinese economy, above all, and other non-Western economies are just getting too strong in terms of their actual production, their manufacturing. And the West's manufacturing is weak. And then Russia has all of those resources, as you said. So it's kind of a, the, the real strategic hinge is the growth rate in China, which would explain why they would attack China with COVID and perhaps other things in the future. That might explain why China is so seemingly paranoid with its massive lockdowns in Absolutely. Shanghai and other places. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. You're, uh, you're so dumb. Uh, this is, and this is, has been proven in the meantime that SARS was actually genetically uh, constructed against China. You, you can actually see that now with, uh, with the statistics. SARS lasted maybe for less than a year, I think, at its peak. And during that period, there were only uh, Chinese uh, uh, DNA uh, people uh, affected by it. Uh, a few not in China, a few in the U.S. because of traveling, and many more in uh, in uh, in Taiwan. Uh, but basically, and some in some, I believe in uh, in Japan. But all of them could be traced back to, to, the, to the Chinese genome. So China, when uh, when COVID hit. That's why China was so well prepared in Wuhan. You know, they locked down everything immediately. That's why they have, they have a zero COVID policy. I fully understand that because they are totally aware of these labs, and uh, they are also aware of what the what the wild animal does before it dies. It slashes around to pull down as many as they can, uh, and uh, and maybe survive. This is uh, this is a very very uh, realistic uh, 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 theory. 
So I do understand absolutely why Putin has to take these labs out. We in the West, we only knew about these labs when basically just shortly before the war started or maybe after the war started, it became some, somehow public even in the mainstream media. But nobody talked about it, uh, what, what happened before, what happened in 1999 and, and the year 2000, when there were thousands of uh, so-called scientists roaming, particularly northwestern, I, I believe, China, to take uh, DNA samples from the Chinese, the basis for which, uh, the, the, which served to, 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 to create the SARS virus. And uh, which would then spread in, in, in China. So the Chinese, uh, they know absolutely what's going on. And that's why they have this, uh, what many Westerns say, absolutely crazy zero COVID policy. I understand it. And there was also an attack, of course, uh, you know that maybe better than me, but I also know that there was a special virus developed for Iran and, uh, and, 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 and another one for, for Italy. And there are many now in the meantime floating around, so we don't really know what is what. But uh, to, to be very, very careful, uh, the Chinese uh, do well, and, and so has Putin. Putin has taken a very strong role also on, on, on COVID for, the, for, the, for, the similar, for similar reasons. So, um, you know, we have to understand that and we have to see what's behind, what's be actually behind these uh, actions these anti-COVID actions, because they have actually very, very little to do with COVID. They have to do with, uh, uh, with uh, bio-wars and future bio-wars. Uh, and and, and this, is, this, is a, this is a clear case that we have to be aware of that, uh, you know, that this is what's playing out in, in the back. And that's why somebody like uh, an organization like WHO uh, the world health tyranny has to be created so that uh, they can dictate in the future who has to be vaccinated against what, because vaccination is not vaccination. Vaccination is maybe an acceleration of bringing about death. Yes, and that, that, that brings us actually to some of the work by people like Steve Kirsch, who I recently had on the show, uh, and Matthew Crawford, uh, and Jessica Rose, and others who've claimed that the COVID vaccines are killing far more people than has been publicly recognized. The total in the U.S., according to these people, might range from 100,000 to as many as 400,000 uh, killed by all kinds of means. According to them, it seems likely that the vaccines are causing harm in many, many ways, not only heart attacks and other circulatory system problems, but acceleration of cancers, uh, of uh, liver disease, kidney disease, things like that, all sorts of things where the immune system normally would take care of a problem. And according to these people, it seems likely that the COVID vaccines are causing permanent harm to people's immune systems, um, as well as clotting, uh, these bizarre clots that have been reported by uh, people who've done autopsies and so on. So what are your thoughts about that? This kind of seems counterintuitive if we're thinking of COVID as a bioweapon that was intended to slow China's economy and to harm Iran, then we would think that the vaccines would be a sort of military measure to inoculate the local population against the virus. So are we seeing a military vaccine that 
simply has a lot of harmful side effects, uh, but it's basically intended to try to slow the virus or just to preserve people's health in the face of COVID? Or are we seeing some kind of a uh, a plot to decimate Western populations, not only with COVID, but with the vaccines as well? Uh, I think I think that's, that's what it is. Uh, the Western population is, of course, uh, the biggest consumer of these natural resources, which are natural resources. They're finite. So if it, at the end there's only an elite that will survive, this elite can survive much, much longer with the, with the available natural resources if, we, if these useless eaters, as we are, uh, are gone. And uh, among these useless eaters, uh, most of them are in, 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 in the Western world right now, so they, they have to, this, that has to be decimated. But you're also absolutely right with uh, these uh, so-called vaccines. They do not only uh, amend our DNA system, uh, but uh, they also reduce uh, our immunity. According to Mike Yidden, uh, you may you may recall him when he was more actively talking about it. He he, he thinks this is a, this is an absolute disaster. He's becoming very emotional also about it because he's an insider. He has been studying this for 30 years. So he says with the first vaccination that uh, that is being imposed, we lose maybe about 30 percent of our immune system. With the second one, another 30 percent, and with the booster, maybe 10 to 20 percent. So imagine somebody who has gotten these uh, three vaccines and now they're talking about the fourth and the fifth and you know it's an endless stream particularly when the world health organization becomes the world tyranny that can dictate uh, you know compulsory uh, vaccinations our immune system will be so weak that we will eventually die from anything uh, even from the common flu but also uh, you know some of these uh, diseases that come from the vaccine are uh, more and more discovered as, uh, as uh, different types of cancers, primarily cancers that, that affect the, uh, the reproductive system of women and men, but also other cancers, uh, very aggressive cancers, uh, and, uh, and, and they develop maybe within uh, one, two, or maybe three years, not necessarily immediately, because each individual is, is different. Uh, and then it will be absolutely impossible to trace them back to uh, uh, to the vaccine. I mean, it will be impossible. There will be so many ways to say, no, it has nothing to do with the vaccine. But indeed it does. And and, and so uh, in in that sense, uh, yes, uh, the Western, the, the Western uh, civilization is targeted as uh, as being uh, as having to be reduced in the, in the first phase. I'm not saying that will stop there. But right now, that's the that's the first uh, phase, and we're only in year three uh, uh, right now of, of this uh, agenda, UN Agenda 2030. So yes, that's the direction we are going in, and uh, and I think both Russia and uh, and China know that, and uh, and have taken are taking their precautionary precautionary measures to to avoid as much as possible this from happening. Well, that sounds like a kind of a, a dubious strategy on the part of the Western leaders who think that they can both try to win a global war against Russia and China and, and the global South, while at the same time decimating their own populations. Uh, somehow, uh, that, that just doesn't strike me as a good strategy. But hey, I'm not Paul Wolfowitz, so I, I don't have that uh, 
University of Chicago degree in Straussian strategy. So maybe I'll have to get Paul on the show and find out what the heck he's thinking. But hey, we've come to the end of the hour here, Peter. Well, thank you so much for your great insights. Uh, keep up the wonderful work. And I, I hope to actually meet you in person someday, maybe in, in Florida or uh, where Texas or some, some uh, free state someday. <laughs> I hope so too. It would be great to meet you in person. And uh, okay. well, who knows? Maybe in Florida or somewhere else. You know, once you're in Florida, you can travel freely throughout the United States. And so far, at least, uh, there, there are no border checks between the states. Okay. Not no, no nasal probes. Uh, no mandatory clot shots. Uh, Florida sounds like a good place, and the weather's probably better than it is here in Wisconsin too. All right. Thank you, Peter Koenig. Always great talking with you. Keep up the good work. God bless. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Bye-bye. Bye.